0: Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Friday, December 1st, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, the action button is coming to all the iPhones with increased functionality. Reconstituting the cable bundle, example number 972. Microsoft wants to create a mobile gaming app store sometime soon. And of course, the Week on Long Read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Mac Rumors has seen internal documents that suggest Apple is planning to include the action button on the entirety of the iPhone 16 lineup, which would include a force sensor and tact switching functionality. Quote Designs and plans for the action button date back to at least 2021, as the button was intended for release alongside haptic volume and power buttons on the iPhone 15 Pro. While the haptic volume and power buttons were abruptly canceled due to unresolved technical issues, the action button remained, eventually making its way onto final mass production units of the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max. On the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max, the action button replaces the mute switch previously found on all iPhone models. Unlike the mute switch, which only served a singular purpose, the action button provides iPhone users with a variety of uses, With the iPhone 16 lineup, Apple plans to add even more functionality to the action button by changing the button from mechanical to a capacitive-type button. The revamped action button, developed under the codename Atlas, is expected to function similarly to the Touch ID home button on older iPhone models or the Force Touch trackpad found on more recent MacBooks. According to internal documentation, the updated action button will feature a force sensor, which detects changes in pressure as well as Tact switching functionality, although exactly what the latter entails is currently unclear. The new capture button planned for the iPhone 16 lineup is also set to include the same functionality as the improved action button. As with the iPhone 15 Pro, even the earliest known designs and prototypes of the base model iPhone 16 featured an action button. The presence of the action button has remained constant across different development stages and even different hardware configurations. Apple has also experimented with different sizes for the action button, with certain hardware configurations featuring an action button larger than the one currently found on the iPhone 15 Pro, and more closely resembling the volume buttons in size. The action button has been seen on multiple iPhone 16 prototype units and has also appeared in internal documentation related to the new devices. The action button is also set to appear on the next iteration of the budget-oriented iPhone SE fourth-generation reportedly planned for a 2025 launch, thereby effectively eliminating the dedicated mute switch from all future iPhones currently in development, end quote. Sources are telling the journal that Apple and Paramount have been talking about offering a bundle of Apple TV Plus and Paramount Plus that would cost less than subscribing to both services separately. Quote, The discussions between Apple and Paramount come as most entertainment giants are dealing with competitive pressures. They have been raising prices sharply in recent months in an effort to bring their streaming businesses to profitability, but have in turn faced rising levels of customer defections. Because most streaming services are available through a monthly subscription, it is easy for viewers to cancel when they are done binge-watching a specific show. Offering multiple services as part of one package decreases the likelihood that subscribers will cancel on any given month, according to data from Antenna, a subscriber- Measurement company. The rebundling of streaming services is happening faster than we thought, said Aaron McPherson, senior vice president and chief content officer at Verizon Communications, which launched its own marketplace of streaming services last year. It's clear that bundles are here to stay, end quote. Two high-profile streaming services, Netflix and Max, are being bundled together as part of a deal with Verizon, the Wall Street Journal reported in November. Similar deals are expected as Warner Brothers Discovery chief executive David Zaslav recently said he was open to bundling Max with other streaming services, both Apple TV Plus and Paramount Plus. Had a customer defection rate, known in the industry as churn, of more than 7% in October, a higher rate than the 5.7% average for the streaming industry as a whole, according to antenna data. Streaming companies typically don't share data on customer defections. Disney has been offering Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus a la carte, as well as part of a package, and has seen lower rates of subscriber defections for its bundle offering, according to antenna data. Also, quick note that Apple released yesterday emergency security updates for iOS, iPadOS, and macOS to fix two zero days that may have been exploited, according to Apple, which makes 20 zero days patched by Apple in 2023 alone. A U.S. District Judge has issued a preliminary injunction blocking Montana's first-of-its-kind state ban on TikTok, which was scheduled to take effect on January 1st, quoting Reuters. U.S. District Judge Donald Malloy issued a preliminary injunction to block the ban on the Chinese-owned app, saying the state ban, quote, violates the Constitution in more ways than one and oversteps state power. TikTok owned by China's ByteDance, sued Montana in May, seeking to block the U.S. state ban on several grounds, arguing that it violates the First Amendment's free speech rights of the company and users. TikTok users in Montana also filed suit to block the ban approved by the state legislature, which cited concerns about the personal data of Montana users and potential Chinese spying. TikTok said it was pleased the judge, quote, rejected this unconstitutional law and hundreds of thousands of Montanans can continue to express themselves, earn a living, and find community on TikTok. Montana could have imposed fines of $10,000 for each violation by TikTok in the state, but the now-blocked state law did not impose penalties on individual TikTok users. Malloy said Montana sought to exercise foreign policy authority held by the federal government, and the state's action was too sweeping. "End quote." Sources are saying that Tiger Global has cut valuations of its portfolio companies. It did this actually in September, including Superhuman down by 45%, DuckDuckGo markdown down 72%, Yuga Labs, which is the board Ape Yacht Club people down 69%, and OpenSea down 94%, quoting Bloomberg. Investors in Tiger Global Management's biggest venture fund were sitting on an 18% paper loss at the end of September after the firm slashed valuations for multiple portfolio companies, according to people familiar with the matter. The venture capital industry is facing a reckoning as startups struggle with cash flows amid higher interest rates. Philippe LaFont's Cotou Management also slashed its internal valuation for OpenSea by 90% and marked down its stakes in Calendly and Notion, Bloomberg previously reported. Tiger Global cut valuations in its venture funds last year by about 33% resulting in a $23 billion decline in value. The PIP-15 fund had its final close early last year, end quote. Xbox head Phil Spencer says that Microsoft is talking to partners to help launch a mobile gaming store to take on Apple's and Google's app stores, but offered no launch date, quoting Bloomberg. It's an important part of our strategy and something we are actively working on, not only alone, but talking to other partners who'd also like to see more choice for how they can monetize on the phone, Spencer said in an interview in Sao Paulo during the CCXP Comics and Entertainment Convention. The executive declined to give a specific date for a launch of the online store, which earlier reports suggested could be next year. I don't think this is multiple years away, I think this is sooner than that, he said. Microsoft earlier this year expanded its Game Pass subscription service for players on personal computers to 11 new Latin American countries, leading to a 7% increase in customers. Peru and Costa Rica are the standouts in terms of customer interest, accounting for almost half of new signups, Spencer said. Globally, Brazil is the second biggest market for the PC Game Pass. In many ways, Brazil leads a lot of the trends that we see globally, Spencer said. But mobile is also really important in Brazil, and there Microsoft lags significantly. Microsoft may be able to use long-standing resentment against the market leaders to marshal support for its store offering. Xbox's cloud gaming technology already lets users stream Blockbuster games to mobile phones. We've talked about choice, and today on your mobile phones, you don't have choice, Spencer said. To make sure that Xbox is not only relevant today, but for the next 10, 20 years, we're going to have to be strong across many screens, end quote. In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cyber criminals? That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report, authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments. This report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash meme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash meme. Time for the Weekend Long Read Suggestions. First up, it has officially been a year now since ChatGPT was released and kicked off this AI era. Over at The Verge, David Pierce took a look back, quoting his opening... There have been a handful of before and after moments in the modern technology era. Everything was one way, and then just like that, it was suddenly obvious it would never be like that again. Netscape showed the world the internet. Facebook made that internet personal. The iPhone made plain how the mobile era would take over. There are others. There's a dating app moment in there somewhere, and Netflix starting to stream movies might qualify too, but not many. ChatGPT, which OpenAI launched a year ago today, might have been the lowest key game changer ever. Nobody took a stage and announced that they'd invented the future, and nobody thought they were launching the thing that would make them rich. If we've learned one thing in the last 12 months, it's that no one, not OpenAI's competitors, not the tech-using public, not even the platform's creators, thought ChatGPT would become the fastest-growing consumer technology in history. And in retrospect, the fact that nobody saw ChatGPT coming might be exactly why it has seemingly changed everything, end quote. Then, everybody at this point knows the story of Jensen Huang and the founding of NVIDIA, but few people know the story of NVIDIA's other founder, Curtis Priam, quoting Forbes. An inventor who has almost 200 patents, he helped design the first graphics processor ever for PCs in the early 1980s, and later co-founded semiconductor firm NVIDIA, where he spent a decade working as its first chief technology officer. Following NVIDIA's 1999 IPO, he transferred most of his shares to a charitable foundation after deciding it was an, quote, excessive amount of money to hold on to. A few years later, he left the company in part due to a highly litigious first marriage that ended in divorce and domestic violence allegations against his ex-wife. By 2006, he'd sold off his remaining shares. Had he held on to his entire stake, he'd be worth $70 billion. Instead, Forbes estimates that Priam has a fortune that's closer to $30 million, just over one-tenth of what he's given to his alma mater. That includes a $6 million home near Fremont, California, where he lives off the grid with unreliable cell service and writes manifestos filled with equations about how to solve world problems like repairing the earth. None have been published anywhere. He says he often communicates by giving out unique email addresses, 16-digit strings of numbers, including one given to this Forbes reporter as a way of avoiding spam. He says he hasn't gotten any since 2000, end quote. And yesterday, everybody was all hyped for the unveiling of the Cybertruck, but another vehicle was unveiled yesterday that might have an even bigger impact on the world. Andoril's new drone thingy takes a page out of SpaceX's reusable rockets. Quoting Bloomberg, Military combat drones keep getting better, cheaper, and more dangerous. Unmanned aircraft are now affordable enough for terrorist groups such as Islamic State to procure large quantities of them. Meanwhile, the best counter systems cost many millions of dollars to deploy and use. It's an out-of-whack equation that military analysts say will likely become only more troubling over time in terms of both costs and the threats to the safety of ground troops. Andoril Industries, a startup in Southern California fashioning itself as a new age defense technology and weapons maker, has created a product dubbed Roadrunner that it bills as an answer to the US's rising drone threat. Developed in secret over the past two years, a Roadrunner is akin to a mini autonomous fighter jet. Powered by two turbines and equipped with a warhead, it takes off vertically like a rocket and then turns to fly at hundreds of miles per hour like a plane towards its target. And in a first for this type of weapon, a Roadrunner can return home, land, and be reused when it doesn't engage a target in the air. Although Anduril declined to disclose a price, it says each Roadrunner will cost in the low six figures. A Patriot missile, the U.S. military's higher-end drone deterrent, can fetch four times that amount. The company, based in Costa Mesa, California, has set up a new factory line for manufacturing And expects the cost of each Roadrunner to drop as it ramps up production and improves underlying technology. It's radically different than anything people have been doing, says Palmer Lucky, a co-founder of Anduril." And finally today, you might have heard the word that Shane McGowan, lead singer of The Pogues, finally died. I say finally, not to be funny, because all across the world, people probably exclaimed, he made it to age 65? How did he do that? because if you know the man's life, his life story, you know that no one deserved that sort of reaction more, maybe aside from Keith Richards. But even then, I'd say that Shane lived a harder life than just about anybody. If you've spent just about any time at all in a bar in New York City, you'll have been exposed to his band, The Pogues. I'm talking about bars, not nightclubs. A proper New York City bar. The Pogues are the official soundtrack of New York City bars. I'd say... South Australia or The Body of an American are their better songs, but if you know the Pogues at all, you probably know them from that song, Fairy Tale of New York, which is the most New York City in December song that ever existed. It's what that Mariah Carey Christmas song for the rest of the world is for New York City. It's the unofficial soundtrack of the holiday season here. So, from the New York Times, the real story behind the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay, quote. After the song was released in 1987, it needed a video for the hugely popular MTV network, so it needed scenes from the city, a working jail cell in a castle-like police building in Chelsea, and notably, the people whom Mr. McGowan had invented, the boys of the NYPD choir. Actual, musically-inclined policemen were required to make the video successful, and stepping into that role were the members of the pipes and drums of the Emerald Society of the New York Police Department. At least some NYPD musical influence noted Brian McCabe, a retired police officer and member of the Emerald Society, if not a choir, actually." It was November 1987, babe. We were playing a dinner dance function on the Upper West Side, said Kevin McCarthy, 62, a former officer who is still in the band, which includes current and retired officers. After that, we were to get on a bus and head downtown to Washington Square Park, where we were going to participate in a music video. Nobody on the bus had ever heard of this band called The Pogues or The Song, end quote. There, in the bracing cold, the police band met the rock band. They obviously started their party much earlier, Mr. McCarthy said. End quote. Reminder once again, you're gonna want to listen to the bonus episode this weekend, as Forbes's Alex Conrad and I did the best summation of the whole Sam Altman saga that you'll hear anywhere. Enjoy that.